0: Clear insights and fresh perspectives on global events.
2: Tune in for a balanced view
0: of the other side of the news.
2: Welcome to the other side of the news. Tonight is our 109th edition and our show topic is Discerning Deception. And I'm co-hosting tonight with Annette Driskell and Timothy Saunders. Timothy is in southwest Turkey. And Annetta has just moved. So there may be some sounds in the background because literally she's just moving. We have an amazing guest tonight, Lisa Shermerhorn. This is going to be a very interesting conversation. A lot's been happening around the planet. Oh, my gosh. Things are shaking up. The world stage is something else, from the cascade of resignations of world leaders around the globe, to the illegal search of President Trump's Mar-a-Lago home, to the fiasco of Biden's speech at the Philadelphia Hall of Independence. It's just unfolding at a very rapid pace, which brings me to question like, what is the energy, the consciousness that is moving all this? It's it's like we're in some kind of tornado, I feel. We are literally on the cusp of, I believe, a transformation of our species. Each of us are being called to look within and find what is our litmus test, our own personal litmus test? How can we trust anything? You tune into one channel, it says one thing. Then you tune into another, it says something completely different. And both of them are supposed to be the authorities. How can you trust anything? It's really hard to believe anything that's outside. And so we, we need to find a way to explore and ascertain and decipher really what is our personal truth. And our guest tonight, Lisa Schirmerhorn, is going to be going into that in depth. Timothy, Annette, are you there?
3: Okay, they're leaving it to me. I'm
2: here. I'm, okay. no, I'm here. I couldn't,
3: I, I, I'm like I have my hands full, <laughs> literally. <laughs> uh, so I just moved, and I just moved all my. I literally just take my cats out of the car and put them in the new space, and I'm speaking from the new space. So. Uh, if you hear kitties in the background, that's what's going on. They're they're just fresh out of the carriers and trying to figure out what what just happened. So, hopefully that is okay. Anyway, yeah, this this week has been. Uh, besides that, I've been moving and all of that. It's it's been fascinating. I have theories about this, which are purely theories. It's so outrageous that I um I really think that we may be seeing something more like. Uh, uh, well, I, I've been saying this for a long time. We're watching a movie, and uh, we're seeing the the good guys actually making the bad guys look super bad. And if they even are the bad guys, in other words, um, are they are they are just playing a part? And we're watching this thing play out to have people become aware of what's actually going on. And there has always been this phrase of "We're in the storm" or "The storm is upon us," and uh, it's interesting because, I don't know, about three weeks ago, President Trump just said the storm is coming. And then a few seconds later, he posted the storm is upon us. So that analogy of having a tornado is actually probably pretty accurate. I think it's bigger than a tornado. And that's saying something because I've been through a couple of tornadoes. I grew up in the Midwest and those are those are some awesome storms, just mind blowing. But anyway, yeah, we're in a mind blowing worldwide storm. And the amount of things that we're about to see is incredible. And um, I'm actually feeling really good about it. Uh, I know a lot of people are kind of not feeling so good. And people say, well, why do you feel good? And I feel good because I know that if a system's to change, if something's to be different, we have to get rid of the old non-functioning system. So like the central bank, for example. So if we're in that process of, of dismantling all this bad and, you know, nefarious stuff that we've been living with. And let's face it. We don't know any differently because we've been in this circumstance, this situation for so long. We we don't, we've, we're like swimming in the dirty water and don't even know it. So I think we're about to have a, a tank change here and I, I couldn't be more excited. That's where, where I'm coming in from happy to be relocating and, and all of that. So that's where I am this week. What about you, Timothy?
0: Well, I've just, uh, returned from another week in paradise. Uh, these days I'm driving like, a 500 kilometers on a Monday, 500 kilometers on a Friday. And in between sort of being very busy with, uh, uh, with what I'm doing with my current project. So, yeah, it's actually five o'clock in the morning here. And, uh, It was quite a busy week and quite a a long drive. So I have had the opportunity to listen to what's going on in the world uh, far less than normal. But uh, on on the drive, I I selected a few of my sort of favorite podcasts or sources that I I listened to to sort of update myself, keep myself up to date. And uh, I was quite amazed by how blatant everything is becoming, how uh, out in the open, people are being now. Uh, when I say people, I'm talking about you know, puppet leaders, such as the World Economic Forum seems to pop up every every <laughs> far more frequently as a term than it did even even a month ago or three months ago or six months ago, which is I think quite amazing. Um, and also uh, Van der Leyen, the uh, the uh, German young lady who is. Uh, Leading the European Union, uh, she gave a really quite a long speech in recent days um, where she was really putting everything on the table and sort of you know disclosing how the winter is going to be and I think that this winter is going to be an interesting winter uh, the obviously the food shortages we're talking about the fuel price hikes, the uh, the digital currency, the digital ID the uh, the uh, the green uh incentives to sort of you know reduce um carbon emissions which are already minuscule in any case uh but but instead of all of this being between the lines it's now the headlines these are now the headlines and uh, if you actually sit down and listen to the speech from van der leyen um you know it's it's very clear is putin is bad uh oil is dirty uh we will suffer uh, because we believe in in a green future a digital green future that's a digital ID and uh, you know electric uh, solar uh, wind farms and so on and it will it will be painful for us uh, but we will survive and uh, just remember putin's the bad guy and it's all his fault you know and this this is this is the leader of the European Union, which is quite astounding because if you actually do a a real fact check on this, I'm not talking about these puppet fact checkers, but if you actually do a real fact check on this and actually look at the real science as opposed to the religious version of science, then half of these things are lies, at least. So uh, that's just something I put on the table right now. I must admit, I did not catch up on Joe Biden's speech. What what was that all about?
2: Oh my gosh, you wouldn't believe it. He got up at the Hall of Independence in Philadelphia, supposed to be... Neutral territory with the military behind him posed with this brash red lights on the building. It was like you were seeing a scene out of Star Wars where Darth Vader appears. In one hand, he's trying to say, oh, he's calling for unity. And then he says, but all you over there that believe in the MAGA, you know, it's like you saying, you're the terrorist. It was such a Nazi speech. I mean, if you see this photo of him, it's ridiculous. Even CNN tried to lighten the color of red behind him to look kind of pink because it was so blatantly uh, inflammatory. I mean, it looked very fascist. What would you say, Anetta?
3: Well, I just got back on. I actually froze up and I dropped connection there, so I didn't hear everything, but I believe you're talking about the facetious uh photograph of the resident right. uh-huh the regime leader there right uh mm-hmm. yeah it would and uh, you know this is it goes back to what i'm saying it's like I, it looks to me like we're now in full-blown movie mode where it's so outrageous and over the top and you know we don't really know who's controlling what i feel it's a good thing what's going on but you know the truth is is none of us really truly truly know but that that if if they're if that's the real thing, they're just um, well, it's an interesting tactic. I know that their goal is to get us into a war. Their preferential war would be a civil war in the United States because that would cause a huge amount of damage. And the U.S. less the world tends to uh, follow what we do here. For example, you know, if we if we say there's no mask on airplanes, then there's no mask on airplanes worldwide. This this happens around the world. We know it. So. You know, they would like a war. A war would be great because it would be a distraction and an excuse for all the other things that are going on. So we have all these things happening, the supply chain, energy shortages, uh, the banking collapse, all these things, uh, food shortages. And they they were all engineered and planned that all of us on this call know that. But the um, what they had, if they had a war, they could they could do all this under the cover of war. And remember, Mm -hmm. uh, by the plan of Agenda 2021 and Agenda 2030 and all of that, they had no intention of the lockdowns only lasting as long as they did. That was the whole point. They were going to keep us in lockdown until they could get us into a war. And the idea was to uh, get rid of this constitution that's the thorn in their side. Because that, what happens uh, uh, when you lose a war. You lose your constitution. That's how you get rid of a constitution. So you can see this all playing out so is this is this really them and they're just really desperate animals doing really stupid crap um really or stupid. is it really stupid unbelievable <laughs> like you're just you're just mind blown you know and and this fool he can't string a sentence together and he's out there salads shooting uh words out of his mouth that don't even work together they don't even make sense you know the, the cadre, and he turns to do the the famous air shake, uh, and then uh, his handler Jill comes up, and he tries to kiss her and can't figure out where her face is. It's really, I mean, it's just unbelievable. I, I, you know, I, I look at this and I go seriously. But I think the more glaring example may be Marlago. Um, you know, Kentia knows from the very beginning I was saying, you know what, this doesn't smell right. This isn't right. That there's something, this is not what they're saying it is. And I totally believe that. It's um there there's too many things. These people are stupid, but they're not complete morons. and that that, that was moronic. That the whole thing. Yeah, well, and I, now with the way the whole huh
2: I was Go gonna say I think it's a ploy to put uh, trump back in the picture so people will be against trump you know because without him foreground is like they're 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 drowning they don't know who to point to they can't point to anyone so they drag out well, this really fake thing with all this redacted information you can't even see mm-hmm. what the the search warrant is and then what they're all non-classified
3: mm-hmm. documents anyway so well, the thing is, is you have to look at this and you go, well, if when you're guilty, do you do you want the affidavits to be shown? Do you want the warrants to be shown? If you're guilty, as they they're saying he is, no, and the guilty parties always want to hide all that stuff. So right there, that tells you exactly what's happening right there, and then you have got this this issue with how they've handled it since and and all of the upheaval that that photograph, I mean, I could go into great detail about that photograph that was released of all the papers on the floor, the staged photograph, but it's absolutely fascinating. There's all kinds of clues in there. That is not a bad photograph. I mean, it's a fake photograph, but I would say, and you know, this is, I put on my tinfoil hat, and I, I openly say that I wear one, but um, this isn't, this isn't the bad guys doing that. So who knows what on, on who's doing what we don't know, but I would say it was more like Trump's the matador and they're the raging bull and they, they, they just don't know what to do because they've never been in this position. So they're just stomping and, you know, and getting ready, you know, revving up and then charging. And, and then it's like, oops, you know, and the thing is, is that if you think about all of these actions that Trump has been making, he has been standing there, basically sticking his tongue out, flipping his hands and back of his ears and making bad noises to get them to come after him. Because every time they do, you you want those papers? You want my income tax returns, You want it? You want it? You want it? You really want it? And they come after it in crazy ways. And then he exposes it and there's nothing there. They lose every time. You'd think they'd catch on, but they haven't. So I think it's because they have this plan. They don't know how to get off their plan. They, they haven't. <laughs> they aren't very creative. But these are all theories of mine. I mean, any, anybody can disagree with me, but that's that's what I see. It's fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. Anything else? So,
2: Well, I I think it's uh, – I'm uh, curious to explore a little bit more about consciousness and bring our guest on. We're thinking about, well, if you discovered that most of what you believed was a lie, what would you do? I mean, when you discover that everything, your teachers, your parents, your your social, economic status, news, culture, religion, it it was all – programmed into you and now, oh my gosh, it's a salad and what's true, what's real. So our guest tonight, Lisa Shermerhorn, has 20 years experience as a transformational leader and she's a best-selling author, award-winning speaker, and expert in the fields of human behavior, leadership, and personal development. She's also trained in the winner's mindset with Bob Reese the former head trainer for the New York Jets and helped a professional golfer to win the Golfer of the Year Award. Uh, Among her accomplishments is a vice president of a virtual reality uh, company that created uh, products for reduction of pain and memory loss and stress reduction. She's a certified hypnotherapist, master practitioner of neuro-linguistic programming, and uh, she's a Y coach. I want to welcome our guest tonight, Lisa Shermerhorn. We're going to explore so many wide-ranging topics. Welcome to the other side of the news, Lisa.
4: Well, thank you so much for having me. And when the two of you were talking, I was scribbling all of these notes because um, there's so much in there of what's going on in this world. And I have my own ideas as well. Um, it's amazing when you can study the the mind and how it works and how we're programmed and how you can see things um, so clearly and um, can also be very frustrating because when you see things that other people don't see. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
2: Just before the show, we were having a conversation and you mentioned how you prefer to keep things neutral so your clients have a full freedom of expression without feeling any bias coming from you. So I'm very curious to know, how did you get pulled into the truther movement?
4: Right, right. Well, it's, it started out um, when all of the when COVID, the lockdowns were just starting and nothing made sense to me. Like I, I was listening to the news and I was watching what was going on and, and nothing made sense. And I kept saying to myself, you know what, I'm going to just lay low because everyone's going to figure this out because this is so ridiculous. And, and then people weren't figuring it out. And then things were happening where they were locking people down and making people wear masks and doing all these things. And I was like, why aren't people speaking up? And I got more and more frustrated. And uh, I was going to uh, Montpelier, the state capital. I live in Vermont Um, and we were protesting and we're talking a state of about 600,000 people. So we have a very small population and we're in Bernie Sanders country. So it's a very liberal, very liberal country. And it's very anti-business. It's very hard to make a living here. Uh, They tax you very high taxes. Um, and very progressive. So, you know, a 100 of us would show up at these protests and we all felt really isolated. We were all alone. There were a group of uh, 25 of us who came together and we started talking about something that Dr. Christiane Northrup had started, which was Main Stands Up. And they had this whole criteria that they put together of how to to run a meeting and what kinds of topics to talk about and how to help people through all of this. And uh, we got in touch with them and they sent some of the people out and we formed our own Vermont Stands Up. And it started out with literally 25 people in my living room meeting every other week. People were driving from all parts of the state. We had people driving two hours each way just to come to these meetings because people were so isolated. And it was very hard because people were getting ostracized from their friends, from their families, and they had nowhere to turn. So we became family and a big support network mm. within. And uh, that was critical in the beginning and just started, um, you know, watching David Wilcock and watching some um, other people online, and I fell into uh, Michael Jaco. And I was watching Michael Jaco about I don't know, this past winter, and he had a fellow, uh, uh, Kevin Hoyt, on. And Kevin Hoyt was talking about how he was from Vermont, and he was running for governor. And my jaw hit the ground because I'd been so involved in everything that was going on, and I hadn't heard of him. So I said, how can this possibly be? And he said at the end of the podcast that he often gets so many people emailing him that he doesn't even look. So you can attempt to send him an email, but there's a good chance that he won't see it. I decided to take a chance and I sent him an email. And the next day I get contacted. I need to see you this weekend. And I said, I'm gonna be going to New Hampshire to meet my daughter. Um, I'll be headed back on on Sunday. And he said, well, I happen to be going to, I'm gonna be in Northern Vermont heading South. If we happen to meet, let's figure out, um, you know, if we can meet in person. Well, you wanna talk about synchronicity. I'm heading North and I get a phone call, where are you? And I said, I'm just coming up to the Montpelier exit. He said, I am too, get off. <laughs> Like, I don't even know this man, and I was like, What am I doing? So, I get off the exit, and all of a sudden, I hear, Are you in a white car? I said, Yes, because I'm right behind you. I'm like, Now I'm really freaked out. <laughs> and if you know Montpelier at all, on the Sunday, there's nothing going on, so I wanted to make sure I found a public place, so I found a coffee shop. And Montpelier was very locked down at the time. You couldn't go anywhere without a card or a, uh, or a mask. And we just walked in and sat down and no one said a word to us. We just, uh, we just stayed there. And actually Kevin said that there were people behind us that were actually taking off their masks because we didn't, we, we weren't wearing any, we talked and, uh, we had an incredible conversation and he was saying that none of the media would cover him. No one would uh, write anything about him. So that's how we didn't know about him because he was so controversial. He had all this research uh, about a lot of the politicians and judges that were doing illegal things, that were involved in child trafficking, were involved in scamming using um, nonprofits. And, and skimming money. And he had a deposition about this thick that he went to court with. And he went to his local police station where he grew up and knew a lot of these police and said, I'm handing this to you. You need to serve yourself. This guy has such incredible guts. He said, you're all doing illegal things. And here's the proof. And he gave them the list of all of the places that he had served the, uh, the Secretary of State. Um, the governor had a copy. He sent copies all over. Uh, and I think there's something like 38 incumbents and judges who are not um, running again or stepping down from office, from uh, office and government because of him. And oh, he's amazing. Man. He's an amazing, amazing man. So when I met him and we spoke and I was telling him about Vermont Stands Up and what we were doing and the book that I was in the process of writing, he said, I want to get you on, um, on Michael Jaco. And I was like, what do I have to offer? I'm just like a Vermont girl sitting at home. And he said, no, I think you have something important to say. And I called him and asked him if he knew Christiane Northrup because I was hoping to get her endorsement for my book. And he said, let me see what I can do. I ended up, he called me and he said, I've, I've done something special for you. He said, I got you on Michael Jaco and you're going to be on with Dr. Northrup. ha. <laughs> And I started to cry. I was so blown away. And we had the most fun on this show. We laughed and we joked around. We had such a great time. And when the show was winding down at the end, Kevin asked Dr. Northrup if she would endorse my book. (laughs) (laughs) And she said yes. And so I have it on the back of my cover. Uh, But that was the beginning and then Kevin connected me with Lewis Herms and the Truther Tour. And I ended up speaking in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, with two of my friends, Kevin and my friend Lois Herman. Uh, we went there and then we also went to Las Vegas, which was probably one of the top highlights of my life. Uh, it, incredible. If any of you ever get a chance to. Uh, participate. Lewis is going around again to do a second round of Truth or Tours. If you get a chance to see these speakers, they're so heart-centered and such a diverse group of people. Um, I was blown away at what I witnessed and what I experienced.
2: Good to hear. That's really good to hear. And what a journey and of synchronicity. It says something for the beneficent forces of the universe, right? Exactly. Unseen forces that are making these connections for us. I love it. I really love it. Well, this um, was
4: the last place on Earth that I thought that I would be kind of outing myself because I've been walking two worlds. I have this very spiritual, metaphysical part of me, and then I have this business coach part of me and I've kept them very separate. And I'm finding that the universe is merging the two in front of my very eyes. And it's (laughs) been a bit nerve wracking, but I'm also trusting. And because the truther group was the last place that I thought that I'd be outing myself, my spiritual side (laughs) and all of that. But but people are open to it. They're so open and warm and want to hear. and, And they're very well educated and do their research.
2: For sure. I mean, we're like in resistance to the idea of transhumanism. And so it just pushes you. The pendulum is swinging one way and then another. It's like it's pushing us to really discover more and more. Well, what is it to be human? Really? What is that? And it's it's a lot more than just connected wires or connected neurons
4: way more, you know. Exactly. Exactly. So it's been an incredible journey. I've learned so much. Um, I, I have had such incredible transformation in my own personal life over this past, um, especially two years, but mostly in the past six months when I've really gotten to become part of the truth or movement and the people that I've met. And um, it's felt it's felt like I've been given permission to really speak my truth. You know, that everyone is speaking their truth because you can't, you have to, as we ascend, as we're going to this next world that you talk about, we have to shed all of those, um, the masks. We have to be authentically us. We don't have a choice anymore. Exactly. And this is the
2: perfect place for us to go to break. I thank you. That's a perfect note and we'll pick it up when we come back. Our guest tonight is Lisa Schirmerhorn. She has a book out called In Every Belief is a Lie. And tonight's show is called Discerning Deception. Co-hosting are Timothy Saunders, Annette Druskell, and myself, Cynthia. We shall return.
5: Take a look at what is going on with us now. You have Vax or no Vax. You have mandates or no mandates. You have uh, pharmacies who are not allowed to make a pres- prescriptions on substances that they don't, you know, <laughs> that big pharma doesn't want them to have anymore. Somebody's in control of something. There's going to be a time, follow the money, where you're going to say, hey, Something really inappropriate has gone on here. We're being controlled. I mean, it's, it's one thing to to have mandates and all these. And another thing to shut people up who say, I would like to talk about this a little bit. No, you don't. You're not going to talk. And, and so we have, uh, you know, people like uh, Dr. Mercola being shut down. That is not us. That's not how we operate. People ought to at least be allowed to have an opinion and state the opinion and and have a say uh, i'd like you to know that a good immune system is going to help you so here are the things for a good immune system but i'm sorry you can't buy them anymore because we're not allowed to so something's going on so that my friend is going to be exposed that's another thing that you're seeing for a while and it won't last forever so it's there now but believe me, it ain't gonna stay because the light's gonna be turned on. Just like the, the abuse of the, uh, that I've just talked about of both women and kids for priests and all. It's here in an ugly way and eventually it's gonna be seen. Christ says there'll be revelations or maybe even a movie about it. It's gonna be the same thing that happened when we found out with tobacco. That they were, of course, addicting our children and they had a cartoon and they knew that it caused cancer and You know what happened with that, we shut that, basically shut that down and now we don't smoke anymore. Hi there, this is Lee Carroll. I want to tell you about the other side of the news. In these days where we're not really hearing much good news or perhaps even what's really happening, that's where the other side of the news is different. And in that, you're going to hear not only controversy, but you're going to hear great things. There are going to be joyful things, too. I just got done with one of the broadcasts, and I encourage you to take a listen with myself and Monica. But the other side of the news, that's what we need more of in these times.
3: Good evening, and welcome back to the other side of the news. Tonight, our guest is Lisa Schirmerhorn, and uh, she's an author. Uh, she is from Vermont and has worked with a number of people that I know up there, and so she has a really interesting background, and we're, we're just getting around to the part of um, kind of gotten the background on on Lisa here, and now we're, we're at this place where we're ready to hear what she has to say about what's going on out there in the world, so I'm going to give you like a wide open door to go through here, Lisa, and just kind of start with what you think is happening with people's minds. And you can use any examples or details, but a a kind of a broad stroke view of what you think is going on currently,
4: the psyche. Yeah, we get bombarded with millions of bits of information all day long, you know, a minute. And so we have a filter in our brain. It's called the reticular activating system. And so that part of our brain helps us select the information that we're going to take in. It's like when when you buy a car and then you're driving on the highway and then you see your car everywhere and you never saw it before. It's based on your beliefs and and we get programmed at a very deep level when we're young. So think about what a newborn baby has to has to learn. And our frequency, the brain frequency when we're infants, um, is a very wide, long uh, frequency. It's called uh, delta. And that's where a lot of our belief systems start to get formed. Dr. Bruce Lipton talks about the fact that he thinks that we're fully formed with our belief systems at seven by the time we're seven years old. So we have all of these belief systems that we inherit from our parents our religion, our friends, any traumas we experience, our teachers, uh, uh, where we live. If you think about if you grew up in the country, if you grew up in the city, um, and what country you grew up in, you know, religion alone will dictate so much of, of your belief system. In some cases, it's what you wear, what you eat, um, uh, who you marry, who you, can, who you can spend time with. Uh, so many things come into play. So I like to think about the idea of each one of us has a lens. And if you were to put all of the different things inside that lens and look at the way you see the world, the way I see the world is very different than you see the world and the way Tim sees the world um, and Annette sees the world, all of these people um, see the world from a different view. So you're going to be attracted to information that matches your view. Now, on top of that, when you think about that, you have people who are watching CNN, you have people who are watching Fox News, uh, MSNBC, and the truther stations, whoever you're inclined to watch. You're attracted to that because that's based on your own belief system. Now, everyone who's watching and listening to these shows, the New York Times, you know, all of the stations, uh, the newspapers think that they're getting the truth. So how can that be? How is it possible that everyone can be getting the truth when you're getting completely opposite information? What happens here is you're getting some of the truth and some of the truth is missing, And so it's up for us to discern what resonates with us and what's true for us. And, And part of that is then starting to remove the belief systems that have helped program you that aren't yours. Well, how do you know what's yours and what isn't? That's very complicated because on top of releasing those beliefs of what's yours, here's another thing that's really interesting you can inherit beliefs. You can inherit going back generations. They actually did studies that took mice and they had them smell this particular chemical smell and they would give them little electrical shocks every time they smelled the smell. Then they got to a point where they would associate those smells. At that point, um, they would just smell the smell and run. Their would just smell that smell and run without even being shocked. So we inherit these beliefs and we inherit all of these traits. So if you have a great, great, great grandparent that experienced trauma, you could be walking around carrying that. That could be part of your belief system and you don't even know where it came from. You could have a phobia that's related to a, to an ancestor. So there's so many things that go into our belief systems that people don't realize. And then we've come into this world and and now we've been told you go to public school and these are the things that you have to learn. And it was interesting because I watched something about Rockefeller and how the whole school system was founded. The school system is founded for you to take orders. They wanted workers. They didn't want thinkers. So if you think about most people who when they go to school, unless you have the ability to memorize large amounts of information and regurgitate it out, a lot of people don't feel smart. So a lot of people struggle with that. And then they have these other belief systems that are running them throughout their life. And then we have this system that we've been talking about um, that we get plugged into. And um, some of us have the ability to to really challenge and question things, but other people do not. And, and part of the our psyche is when we are part of a uh, a tribe And and what happens in the tribe if you try to do something different, you become a threat to the tribe. And when you become a threat to the tribe, you get kicked out. And now you're alone, you have no family, you have no friends. So, so a lot of people that I know just out of threat of being kicked out of their tribe will follow because they're too afraid. So we have those people. We have people who are fully on board in believing because they, you know, they believe everything that they hear because it's it's what they consider reputable news. But I will tell you, one of the things that I have observed, and, and I was talking about this earlier before we went on air, is a year and a half ago, I was driving from Vermont to Massachusetts. And what happened was I had, uh, I was passing these flashing signs on the side of the road. And these signs were saying, uh, go get your COVID vaccine. And all of a sudden, I had a voice in my head telling me to get off the highway and go to CVS and my hands, everything I could do to keep my hands from, from moving from the left lane, the passing lane, all the way over to get off. I fought it for five miles. And then there was another sign and it happened again. And I fought it. And because I work with the subconscious mind, I knew it wasn't my voice. I knew it wasn't, but I can't imagine someone who wouldn't have that wisdom would do it. They would do it, and people were being brainwashed, but I didn't understand what this was at the time, and I remember getting to my destination and calling some of my friends and telling them what happened, and I thought I was going crazy, and a month later, I was listening to uh, Cliff High, and he was speaking about uh, the voice of God and how there um, there were these satellites that we're transmitting through all of our electronics that we're programming people. So if you had smart TVs, uh, your phones, any type of electronics that were actually programming people, and there's terms if you want to use MKUltra or whatever type of term you want to use, but people are literally programmed to a point when you actually take facts and you put them in front of them, I've seen this. Their eyes literally glaze over. They can't even compute. I don't know if you've had that experience Mm -hmm. yourself, or people, you can actually present facts.
3: Yes, yes. Well, I want to go back to the voice of God, because I did have, I I had actually three different, uh, in completely different time frames, uh, experiences with that. And it wasn't quite the same as what you're saying. I didn't go by flashing signs or anything like that. But I was... Uh, the one time I was very, very sick, and I was in bed, and uh, I, I didn't know what it was, um, and it went on for 10 days. It was unbelievable. Uh, the interesting thing is, and I wanted to get get your view on this, because you said about belief systems being formed uh, by age 7, etc. So there was something in my belief system that basically did a uh, hell the fuck no, Okay. Uh, even though it was very persistent, even though it went on for 10 days. And then later on I had, it I had um, that was about vaccines and other, I'm trying to think, but the final one was actually, I was very sick again. And it was um, basically telling me that it was just going to keep continuing like this. And I should just, you know, kill myself. I should just commit suicide. I mean, these are powerful, uh, very powerful thoughts that were absolutely foreign to me. And I'm like, where is this coming from? And later on, I, you know, Kentian knows, I looked around and found out this is this voice of God technology or what they call um, a voice to skull technology. Mm-hmm. And it is it is a frequency thing that they can beam out, and apparently they can do it to specific individuals, which is really scary. Um, because we all have our own frequency, which is absolutely unique. That's why our DNA is so valuable. They want to know our DNA. They want our DNA because each of our DNA produces a different frequency. So if you can tune something to somebody's frequency and you know what that frequency is, you see how powerful that, that is. And I'm I'm on a sideline, but I wanted to get back to that idea of, okay, so I had the voice of God, didn't know what it was. And didn't, I mean, I heard it. It it made me think about it for a split a hot second, you know? And then I was like, (laughs) you gotta be kidding. no, and so I wonder what do you think it is that makes and Timothy and Kathy and I have had this discussion for years now. What do you and we've asked other people the same question? So what do you think it is that makes people resistant to those things? Some people are resistant and some people absolutely are
4: not. Do you have any theories on what that is? I think we have people who naturally have a lot of fear. And fear will cause you. When I was talking about the reticular activating system, what happens is the blood leaves the brain and it goes out to the extremities. And then you can't think clearly. So the brain will grab onto the first thing that makes sense. And not everything that makes sense is true. And not everything that is true makes sense. So when you get this information, and if you're very fearful, you can very easily fall prey when you have people who are fighters. Like I had to deal with a lot in my life. So I have, I've had to learn to fight for what I wanted. I've had to, you know, I've been through a lot. And um, so in, in going through all of this, I've, I, I learned to really discern because as someone who thinks differently, as someone who has been through a lot, um, I got bullied a lot. I was a, I was an outcast a lot. So I was accustomed to that. And I learned to get a thick skin and to deal with it. Okay. And so and so at this point now you've got a situation. Where um, you know you've got people who are fighters out there and don't carry as much fear. And I think that that's a huge part of what's been going on. Um, I've been a loner my life. I was not, you know, I have been ostracized. I have been lived on my own. I've had to do all this stuff. I've learned um, to move and meet people and find people of like mind um, several times. So that's part of who I am. So do you think that this was
3: always there? Because, for example, I can only use my own myself as my own example, but I was always an outcast. And that really hasn't changed. Um, in school, I never fit in. Uh, you know, pe- they say, like, people will do all these things. They'll actually go out and take the jab. They'll wear a mask and everything to not be ostracized by society. But, right. In my case, you know, I always was, so I'm not really losing anything on that deal. Um, do you, you know, what do you think it is? Do you think that's ancestral? Do you, I mean, getting back to your work, uh, where do you think that comes in? Because it, it was very, very clearly, I was all I always had really big balls. I mean, there was there were jokes about me, you know, like, you know, I, I have more testosterone than most men, as far as that goes. It's just I was always like that. And yet, I was always ostracized. So, is that? Do you think that that looks like what you're talking about with the ancestral? Or where do you think this is coming from, as far as how we become
4: who we are and how we develop these belief systems? It's a tough. It's a tough question because everyone has their own soul thumbprint, right? So, some souls are older than others. Um, there's, there are people who say that there's certain amount of souls that have come in to help wake up humanity. So that may be who we are, that we came in already knowing it. Cause I, I was a wake up, like it, it was, they, they call this time, the great awakening for a reason. You know, it, it's like something happened and a switch went on in me when, when COVID happened, it was like, almost like I was pre-programmed to wake up now does that make sense because so many of us did at the same time right
3: i was going to say that was that was really common um and there was there was also a big surge there, there are several other surges of people waking up um right. you know i woke up in the or, well i didn't i always say i didn't really wake up uh, you know i think everybody wakes up in stages and parts like so you right. take a red pill you take another red pill and you take another red pill oh. So I started back in the mid 90s and with the central bank, but I didn't get any of the rest of it for a very long time. I mean, I was dead ass asleep. So, um, you know, we all wake up differently, but there was there there were these phases. So this takes into another another thing in our on our planet, in our timeline that we're currently experiencing. Are we. Uh, is there like a, something that causes a consciousness shift? Is there a frequency change? Is a, what do you think causes this? Because we can see the patterns. We know that they exist because we can see it in hindsight.
4: What do you think is well, going on there? Well, here's something that's really interesting. My friend, Lois Herman, who was also part of the Truth or Tour, she was doing, uh, she's also a certified hypnotist. And she had someone come in to as, as a client for stress relief. And she started the session, and all of a sudden, another person's voice was coming coming out of his mouth. And they were claiming that they were ascended masters. and they were, this was in 2015 or 16, maybe, telling her about what was coming. They were she was being warned about some of the things that were happening and how humanity had to change. So she took diligent notes and then went on to record, Um, this and all the information and put them into a trilogy. There's three books out Chronicles of Hope. And one of the things that she's now doing and bringing me in is that they're found found and we we can go way out there um, that there are, um, there are implants that are put in people by darker forces to prevent people from accessing their own inner wisdom, to keep people depressed, to pe- keep people down. And um, they had to remove something from me. And I've seen them remove, you know, multiple things from people. So there's there's a darker agenda to keep, especially the light workers.
3: Asleep. Yeah, I, I actually went through that experience, and and apparently according to this person, which this is not an area I I understand or, or actually even perceive, but I was told, yeah, there was, I was just absolutely loaded all over the place. Yeah. Um, it, it had, and there was apparently a history that she was able to pick up on, which I won't go into here, but yeah, I've, I've heard this, but, but back to the question that I had was, I understand that that can absolutely affect people. But do you think something else is going on when we have these surges of like, I can see why when COVID came along, you know, the the, the, the theory of COVID since it's never been isolated, you know, that one. Right. Uh, so, you know, when that came along, uh, we had we saw a lot of people um, waking up all of a sudden or. Um, or even even the phases like I, I remember people saying I, I woke up in January a lot of people woke up in January like around mm. the uh, the faux uh, inauguration thing I yes. mean there were there were these segments so I can see how things would would do that but there's also these bigger waves throughout our planet and do you back to that again do you, do you think that there is a larger force is it a god force is it a frequency what do you think's going on there
4: Yeah, I I believe that their frequency, I believe that we are being upgraded. Uh, I've been doing a lot of work with groups of people to help with uh, the frequencies, to help raise the frequency and clear out darker energies and darker forces that are at work keeping us down. And these forces are all involved with, you know, you're talking about um, the the World Health Organization and the Central Bank. And uh, Klaus Schwab and his group, you can go into the Vatican, you can go into uh, the royal family, all of these darker forces, these people who are whatever they are, that have been controlling um, all of all of us for so long. And now uh, they got greedy. They got really foolish. I keep saying to people, you know, they had it all. And and then they had to go this extra step. They could have had this in perpetuity with everyone sleeping, but they got stupid and they got greedy and they did things and they woke people up. And so uh, I have been watching this um, and, and I remember someone who talked to me about 9-11 and uh, I can't tell you the choice words that I told him, but I was mad at him years ago and I, I had to apologize to him two years ago. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Yeah. Yeah, I, I know. Uh, well, you know, I have a little different view on that. I, I, I think that this was actually um, the waking up was forced because, like I said at the beginning, we were, according to their plans, we were to stay in lockdown and be in lockdown and not understand what was going on and basically yes. be completely isolated and have lots of collateral deaths and damage and mental illness and everything else, murders. I mean, just horrible, yes. horrific stuff. Uh we were there was intervention, and one can say, well, it was intervention in the form of, uh, um, you know, maybe off planet, maybe angelics, maybe it was God, maybe you know, or maybe all of the above. But the uh, and 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 people say, well, you know, Trump did all this stuff. Well, you know, okay, men, men man can be used for lots of different things. Also, it doesn't mean it's straight up just human. So there's a lot of theories, and again, those would all be, you know, sticking my tinfoil hat on and being theories. But it's interesting that we see this, um, this all happening like this in in this time frame. And I do believe that this is a we have got a a movie that was sped up because this idea of inflation. I've been talking about it since uh, college, which is 40 years ago for me. I've been talking about this idea of how inflation eats you alive and how it's the tax on, you know, how, how it actually is the most insidious tax and the most unfair tax and how it works. And nobody was interested, by the way. I mean, like, I tell you, like no one. Um, but, you know, now we have people paying attention. And part of the reason is because now we have this really incredible. I mean, Timothy's living in a place with just unbelievable inflation. Right. We have bad inflation here. Uh, but not like where he is. But, you know, the thing is, is that that because it was sped up, that thing was always chugging along. If you look at the graphs, there's a great, I, I want people to, I'll probably put it in a link, but there's a website called um, WTF. What the fuck? Okay, WTF um, happened, the word happened, uh, with an E-D on the end, 1971.com. I think that's correct. I'll have to check, but I, I think that's it. It's an amazing website because it, it is all these graphs and all this interesting information, and it shows you very clearly what happened when we left the gold standard and we went into the petrodollar, which was straight-up fiat currency. Uh, and you can see this whole thing with inflation. Well, the reason that people are waking up uh, to everything is because it's, it's in their face. But inflation, I always said, you know, when, when it hits their when it hits their pocketbook, that's when everybody pays attention because everybody has a pocketbook. Everybody has to use money, and it doesn't matter your political persuasion, your religious persuasion. It doesn't matter. Everybody gets affected by inflation and money. So if you didn't wake up any other way, you're going to wake up now. And well, so, yeah, yeah. I, so I, think,
4: I totally agree with what you have to say, yeah. and I believe it was sped up on purpose as well. Yeah. Um, okay. Yes. No, I, be- I believe that. I was just saying that they got so greedy. They got to a point where there was no choice. It had to be sped up. Right. That this right, had yeah. to be done because otherwise we were in serious trouble. Well, humanity as a whole is in serious trouble.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, these are, these are, uh, well, yeah, I, I you know. I'll be right there with David Icke and say, "Well, I don't think you know the 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 ruling, I'm certainly not going to call them the elites because they're anything but that. Jeez, right. you know, but uh, you know those uh, people <laughs> I want to say those people, but they aren't. That's the whole problem. People say all the time, you know how could a human do this to to another human? Well, you know, the they're answer not. is they're probably not. okay, they're, they're not, not that's they're not that's not what they are. <laughs> that's how they can do it. So there you go, you know, all the, all the, the uh, you know, controversial thoughts out on the table. But, um, yeah, so I, I think it's interesting. And we're actually – I want to cover one thing if we can. We're just about at a break, so we don't have a lot of time. But um, this whole thing about fully formed um, uh, psyches – you know in this idea maybe we'll come back on it or something but uh the change we're at a place where a lot of people are going through a huge amount of change and you know I, I think you know do we recognize what it takes to change is there something we can do to help help ourselves grow and change in if, if we've got fully formed personalities what can we do to work with that um and I'm giving you no time to answer the question. I was
4: going to say that's a loaded <laughs> question for 30 seconds. Um, but but what I will say, um, I had to go through my own transformation. And I have a story that I can talk about after the break of what I had to put myself through to make significant changes in my life. Um, change is frightening. You know, we almost like to hold on to the devil we know. It's why people got vaccinated, because they didn't want to get ostr- ostracized from their families. So we, we risk a lot. Yeah,
3: absolutely. We do. OK, well, we're right there at the break. Uh, tonight's guest is Lisa Boy, let me try that again. Lisa, I saw, <laughs> I'm trying to pretend like I'm from New England, right? <laughs> uh, Lisa Shermerhorn. And uh, tonight we're having an interesting discussion with her. We'll be right back after the break with Timothy and Cynthia.
1: Here's the big word, law. It stands for land, air, water. When you are born and you come into this world, you're born on the land, not the water. That's what the bar operates in. That's their jurisdiction, the jurisdiction of the sea. Okay? Law stands for land, common law. A stands for air, ecclesiastical law, canon law. And W stands for water, which is admiralty, maritime law. That's what lawyers are trained in, which is contract law. It's the difference between legal and lawful is legal applies to that which is incorporated right legal persons which are fictions that are created when we're born that's what the birth certificate represents people okay it's very disturbing when you understand that truth for the other side of the news my name's christopher james and i just wanted to give my full support these wonderful people who are bringing an incredible light forward at this time and moment in our world. The truth has never been more important, and I was incredibly blessed to be with them and share with them the enormous truth on our very first interview. And I'm looking forward to coming back and seeing our world finally coming together under one hood, under one understanding that there's truly only one of us and that there is only love that matters in this world. and this one truth is going to save our world. and I'm so blessed to be able to bring this forward and share this light with my fellow man and woman from this show this evening so support them all you can moving forward They're an incredible bunch of people and godspeed
0: and welcome back you're listening to the other side of the news and uh, my name is timothy saunders and i'm co-hosting together with kintia and annette driscoll tonight's guest is lisa schermhorne lisa we have talked about many topics many subjects over the last uh, hour and some i'd like to to, to revisit actually and uh, i know i asked you a, a very leading question just before the break i'd like to add a couple of words if i may before you answer that uh, we, we're talking before about the difference between those of us in, in the population who seem to discern and those who do not discern um, that is to say some are sensitive to new information and can react in, in, in a positive uh, independent way and others seem less able. Uh, one theory which which I believe is is how we process fear. Uh, for example, Let's say that there's an event, there's a piece of information, you know, a, a headline, whatever it is, and uh, depending on on the programs we're running inside our subconscious, I believe the, you know, if somebody is not able to discern, then they simply see this event, this piece of information, this headline, as something which, uh, which, which, which. which is unknown. You know, it, it's the topic of a conversation that they do not know about. They're not feel comfortable with, and as a result, they tend to naturally avoid it. And on the other side of the coin, um, if if somebody who is is very you know, independently an independent thinking person, they're outgoing, they're they're confident, they are uh, confident in themselves to learn quickly and um, smartly in in you know differing circumstances, then. If if a headline, the same headline pops up, the same piece of information arrives on the horizon, then, hey, that's a wonderful opportunity to explore some more and learn something new. And I think that's the difference between how we process fear. And I think that is one way of, of describing, you know, those who who float and those who sink. And that of course, everybody has a, a different um, perspective and a different lens. But I think that that could be a, a generalization. What do you think? Would you agree I, with some I... of that?
4: I totally agree. And uh, one of the things that I had experienced, even just flying to Las Vegas um, for the Truther Tour, and my friend Lois and I um, had, she had the window seat, I had the aisle seat, and there was a woman who sat between us, double masked, literally watching CNN the entire flight. And this sounds
0: like a great flight. Yeah,
4: (laughs) yeah, five and a half hours of this woman. And I was watching movies, but out of the corner of my eye, I kept seeing headlines. And literally, you know, the 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 news cycle is put together to constantly bring up fear. So the, the stories that were coming up over and over and over again were creating fear. And as I said before, the truth doesn't always make sense and you know you, they're grabbing onto what makes sense and to them and what they're being told because they're trusting these people i mean who who would have ever thought that the new york times would print things that weren't true I mean, I was raised that the New York Times was the Holy Grail. My father and I, we would read the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times together at breakfast every morning. He was a business. He's a businessman and he wanted me to understand business. And, you know, if it was in the New York Times, it was gospel. So the idea I remember when I watched, um, I decided that I wanted to see um, Donald Trump speak uh it was july 3rd at the um uh it's what is it south dakota at the uh oh my god what's the monument there uh, a couple of years ago it just escapes me it's a it's it's late here for me uh mount rushmore mount and rushmore, mount rushmore. Yeah. and i remember listening to his speech and and i was like there was nothing bad about the speech it was a beautiful speech it was very inspirational and the next day I was online and I was getting glimpses of the New York Times and Huffington Post and I'm reading about Donald Trump President Trump's speech and I was like where were these people this was there was nothing in their articles that was in that speech nothing and and I was horrified to the degree, because I hadn't really been—I hadn't been looking at the at the New York Times because I knew that they were printing lies anyway, um, from other things. But when I saw what they were writing, and actually, I tried to look up and find that article. It's no longer exists. I think they actually deleted it. But uh, I, I was—I was, you know, watching more and more the contradictions that were happening. You know, it, it's like. People were getting bits and pieces of, of things and and creating more and more fear and and by shutting the news off and not listening to that and and allowing myself to discern and getting my own information from different sources and compare and feel what worked for me, I was no longer in fear like like a lot of people who I loved and people who cared about um, my father was terrified, his doctor told him that I was going to die if I didn't get vaccinated and he was terrified. And he was constantly emailing me, constantly sending me information. And I finally said to him, thank you for loving me that much because I knew that if I had to come back at him, proving him wrong, he wouldn't be able to hear me because he was so indoctrinated in, in such fear. And what I contend now is, is that I, I hold people in a place of compassion. I get frustrated. Don't get me wrong. I get frustrated and there are parts of me that get angry, but I have a better understanding of why people are in the place they are. And, um, I was in an event three weeks ago and, uh, I think it was during the January 6th hearings Maybe it was a little longer than that. And there were people standing around me saying, oh, my God, can you believe 42 percent of the country believes him and believes that Trump? And they were going on and on. And one of the other fellows said, well, you know, six dollar gas is is, you know, something to influence people. And he said, yeah, it is. But we still hate Trump. And I'm like, it's all about hating Trump. And and the narrative has gotten so much about hating Trump that they can't hear anything else. And and they've divided us and polarised us that you can only be one way or another. There's no grey area allowed anymore either.
0: Now, that's that's, that's true. I mean, it, it really comes down to what proportion of the population do you think can see clearly, can discern, and what proportion cannot? In your opinion, just the top of your head, I mean, I'm not looking for statistics because I'm sure they don't even exist in, a, in the public realm, but uh, in your opinion...
4: Well, it, it's hard to know because I live in a state right now, and and in the Northeast, which is very liberal and very progressive, and and then I talk to people who've come here from the South and say we never had to mask; everyone's fully awake. Um, and so I think that there's a larger percentage of people that are awake than than I'm exposed to, just because of where I live. Um, I, I'm, I'm a very small percentage, um, in, in where I live. Uh, so, so, but I think there are more and more people waking up because they're seeing inconsistencies. They're starting to leak out information and, and people who were on the fence earlier who were just following along because of fear or, or family, you know, being, being ostracized by family are now going, wow, what did I do? and they're seeing it and they're getting fed up and and I was with a woman yesterday who said that she she got vaccinated because she was uh she knew she wouldn't be able to see her family she wouldn't be able to see her grandchildren she wasn't allowed to now I know people on the opposite spectrum who have made a stand and have not seen their children and grandchildren because they've said we're not willing to risk we're not willing to follow that so you know, it depends on what's important to you, what your priorities are and how how much you're willing to stand up and fight for what you want. It takes a lot of courage to um, to stand up and go against uh, everyone. It wasn't easy for me. Um, I had a lot of battles with my family, with my children, and I had to let go. And I, I said to my children, you know, I'm a mama there. And I'm going to do everything in my power to do what I can to educate you and and save you as best I can. But ultimately, you're adults and you're going to have to make decisions on your own. And I'm going to have to live with the decisions that you make, just like you're going to have to live with the decisions that I've made.
0: So, Lisa, can, without going into your personal life, that's not my wish at all. But what what would you say was the trajectory you took in order to deal with uh, this this yeah going against the flow because if if you are in the absolute minority of people who are standing up for themselves and uh yeah not having a a vax or not wearing a mask or whatever it is that you know you believe in i'm not trying again i'm not trying to put words in your mouth but i i can certainly imagine from the conversation we're having so far how did you deal with that what advice can you give to others That's, that's i guess where i'm getting to
4: So one one of the things that I tried to do is stay neutral as much as possible with people in my life. I tried not to push my judgments and I and I and I tried not to let people know where I stood because of the work that I do as a coach. I wanted to be a safe place for people to come to and not prejudge that, you know, that I was, you know, this or that and, and judge me. So I'd worked really hard about staying neutral until I got involved with the truth or Tour, and now I'm getting outed. But in the meantime, um, for instance, I'm very close with my cousin. My cousin has no idea where I stand on any politics, anything. All he knows is that I'm not vaccinated. And for my birthday, he wanted to take me out to a special restaurant. And he made reservations, and I didn't know that you needed a card or a vaccine in order to go to this restaurant. So he called me up and he said, you know what, I forgot. I need you to go and quickly get tested because we're going to dinner tonight and I need you to get a rapid test. And uh, I said, no. He said, what do you mean? I said, I'm not getting tested. I have not been tested at all. I don't believe in the tests. And he said, but they have my credit card they're holding and I'm gonna lose a hundred dollars. Would you come anyway? And I said, for you, I will. And we showed up and they asked me for a card. I said, I don't have one. Do you have an email that proves you've been tested? No, I don't have anything. And they said, um, would you look into sending us something tomorrow? And I said, sure. And they said, look
0: into it. Yeah.
4: Yeah, I'll look into it. <laughs> <laughs> and I no. sat down, I had no mask on and I sat down and I found that that happened often that. I think people were put in the businesses were put in situations that they didn't want to be in because they didn't want to lose their businesses. And, and um, we had a lot of people at the Vermont stands up meetings that would show up and they were terrified because they said, you know, we have to abide by these rules because we need to make a living. We need to feed ourselves. And people were caught in, in a really bad way. And, and also meeting with nurses who were witnessing things that were happening. And, um, you know, we can get into a whole nother subject with uh, people being pumped up with uh, remdesivir and organs shutting down and being killed in the hospitals. Um, it taught me a lot about, you know, I, I at least somewhat trusted the medical system for, for, you know, acute care. And now it's gonna be really hard to get me into a hospital after I've learned what's happened.
0: Well, I, th- I think that goes back to what we were talking about earlier in the show. Is is that you know we're all cruising through life, uh, which is uh, upon a foundation of our programs, and our programs are, are set, as far as I understand. I've, I've certainly followed the work of Bruce Lipton for a and that was a, a game changer for me in terms of understanding uh, that you know the whole medical industry, the whole health industry uh you know clearly for example there's, there's a friend of mine who uh, unfortunately had a heart attack around uh, a couple of weeks ago He's not not an older person sort of a middle-aged person um and the surgery which he had he had a stint put in it, it was it happened in 15 minutes he had like a little scar on his scar like a pin in in his right wrist and that is incredible that to me is amazing sort of science and medical Right. Uh, uh, knowledge to, to help somebody very quickly. But if you look at other parts of the medical uh, industry, I say medical industry, I'm not sure it's really a good term. But anyway, the health industry, right. uh, it is everything but health industry, it, it seems to me that hospitals are sort of controlled dying factories. In that sounds pretty hard. But it is, I think the case in, 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 uh, in lots of circumstances. And the idea of taking a sort of a, a, molecular, a molecularly copyrighted, I can't even say that properly, it's too early here, but a, a, <laughs> a, a, an engineered um, medicine, um, which is being copyrighted and owned by a pharmaceutical company that can maybe help the symptoms of one particular uh, illness, but then has the side effects so you take another one and another one and another one. And you end up with these sort of people with sort of little pill boxes, like little pill boxes, big pill boxes with sort of six, seven divisions in it. And time is going off all day. I have to say one of the pink one, then the white one then the blue one and so on. These tablets all day long. And you really think, well, is any of that actually fixing the cause of the problem? Or is it just surfing the, the symptoms and making money?
4: Well, uh, yes. And and uh, again, there are lives that, you know, I have I have gone to doctors. I have had surgeries. I'm very grateful for a lot of the medical attention that I've received. But what I see that is happening now, I, I had a friend who called me so, several years ago and she said my mother was up in the middle of the night, she got into her car naked and she was having some kind of dementia and she was trying to drive but she didn't have any keys and someone saw her and they called the police. And she went down and took a look at all of her medications. None of the doctors were communicating with each other. And the amount of medication that she was taking and the counterindications that were happening was causing dementia. And they Mm. took her off her medication and she was fine. And, and, you know, we can get into the amount of vaccines that are forced on children these days. And what is that? What are the consequences of that? And uh, all of Robert Kennedy Jr.'s research of what he's, you know, proving of what's in these vaccines and what they're doing to people. Um, it, 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 we can go on. We can go on about that. Um, but I, I when I saw Dr. Doctor Artis talked about what happened to his father-in-law and how he watched his father-in-law get killed in the hospital, was murdered when he begged him not to give them remdesivir. And when he researched and realized that it was the remdesivir that killed his father-in-law and, and so many people and how mm-hmm. the hospitals were getting paid per COVID um, uh Per COVID patient, and how people who were dying of heart attacks were, you know, told the loved ones that they had COVID, and the hundreds of thousands of dollars and millions that these hospitals have been raking in, and uh, and and doctors, doctors who were um, basically threatened with their livelihood if they spoke up, and said anything, and nurses um it was a hard time i can't even imagine being in the healthcare industry and being awake i know a lot of people who left I know a lot of nurses especially who've left who just got completely fed up with the system
0: yeah i i can certainly vouch for that in this part of the world as well i mean again i'm not trying to generalize i can only comment on my own experiences but uh yeah, another friend of mine is 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 a, you know, a high level doctor, um, but he totally buys into all the whole COVID industry, and I see the same glaze over his eyes. And I'm very sorry to say he's still a friend of mine, but it, it's very difficult to, to to trust him, in 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 in, in, in a in a medical conversation anymore because he is obviously, he's he's one of the sheep on the conveyor belt, and. Right. Uh, that's very worrying how somebody who is is very smart and very intellectual, high IQ and so on, can be uh, scooped up. That's a phrase I wanted to come back a little bit earlier to um, because we were talking about the programs coming from religion, education, uh, television, news, CNN, the the, the lady on the plane next to you and so on. You know, it is all uh, part of the sort of the mass psychosis um in fact we had a a guest a few few a good few weeks ago actually dr matthias desmet who seemed to make an awful lot of sense um i think uh i have actually not read his book yet but uh, it's something which is very high on my list I, I must do that actually but uh he you know he, he obviously has a theory he came out with it he was he was brave and he challenged you know the flow uh, went the other way, and as a result, I think he he brought a lot of sanity to a lot of people because, you know, he, he was able to explain how a large swath of of the population are under some form of mass hypnosis. Exactly. Now, that brings me to the point: is that is not an accident. So, you know, there is definite intent by somebody, some entity, some organization, some club, some group. Now, obviously we can say all sorts of names. We can say the Rothschilds, we can say Illuminati, we can say XYZ. I prefer to call them the minority. But to, to sort of sidestep, segue a little bit, who do you think they are when people say they? I've asked this question a hundred times as well, but who do you think they are?
4: Okay, now <laughs> we might lose some viewers over this. But I, I believe, doubt it. <laughs> we're we're we're. This is my belief, and this is I've done a tremendous amount of research that we have some very dark extraterrestrials who have come in and infiltrated, and this has been over millennia, and they have come in, and um, you know the term blue blood didn't come out of nowhere. You know, there are people who say that they've seen that the royal families, um, all of these darker, um, you know, people that have this agenda, they have no soul. They have no feelings. There's no empathy there. They, they are all about themselves. It's service to self. And uh, they, they feed off of what they call louche, which is people's pain. And so during World War II, with the Nazi con- the concentration camps and everything and all that fear and misery, they were feeding off of that. That's their food. They lack creativity. And so they need and they resent um, us humans because we are creative. And no matter what they do to keep us down, we still evolve. And they scratch their heads because they don't know what to do with us. And, and they're particularly intimidated by the indigenous cultures. And the indigenous cultures have been, if you think about what has happened to these poor people around the world, um, because their DNA, we were talking about DNA, their DNA is so pure because they go back to the ancient Lemurians. They go back to the original, um, and, and that's prized. That's prized DNA for them. And they tried to control them. They tried to put them into um, these, these residential schools. They forced them to forget their language, their culture, um, all of that. I, I was uh, in Costa Rica. And I went to stay with a a tribe inside the jungle, um, the Teraba tribe, amazing people. And they were telling their story of how they've suffered and how uh, the governments keep trying to take their land and uh, how his mother was forced to kneel on gravel. Every time she used any of her language or any of her stories or related to her culture um, and for hours and hours on on end until she was forced to forget. And uh, I was also at an elders gathering and they talk. Also, the one thing that I see is there's a lot of ancestral trauma that has happened with these indigenous people because it's generational. This has been passed down when you talk about Bruce Lipton and the epigenetics of what's been passed down. I just did some work with someone from Mexico who has uh, Mayan and Aztec DNA, and we went back 10 generations through his DNA to heal the trauma, going back generation after generation, releasing and healing, releasing and, and healing. And he has felt significant shifts and changes because of this work. We carry those traumas. We carry those belief systems, and we don't have access to them. And, and we have these darker forces that are feeding off of us and making us sick and killing us. We have a generation of children that are so sick. I've never seen anything like it. I didn't have food allergies like I do. I can't eat bread. I have gluten allergies, dairy allergies, you name it. Um, I've had to really watch what I eat. What, what, how is our, our food is toxic? All the things that we take, the, the the pharmaceuticals are toxic. So much of it is breaking down our children. I, I thank God because as a child, I had minor learning disabilities, and um, I realized that I was very ADDA. This was all undiagnosed. I figured it out on my own because I transpose numbers and letters all the time. I would have been so heavily medicated if I were a child today, put on everything and what's happened to these children just to allow them to be we're not allowed to just be ourselves and and that's tra- that's a tragedy
0: lisa we're just coming up to a break but i do want to pop a little question in here because i think it'd be quite amusing for uh, either Annette or Kintia, who pick it up on the other side to explore uh will you say extraterrestrials that have been here for thousands of years May I ask, what makes you think they are extraterrestrial? And we have literally 60 seconds, which you won't be able to answer in that time. But
4: <laughs> um, well, let's put it this way. I've seen spaceships. I have friends who have been um, taken up to spaceships, um, good and bad. Um, I have people in my life who have implants. Um, One of them has uh, one on the side of her head. You can actually see it's a triangle. And she said that she actually can see out of it. It's like a fourth eye for her. And I know people communicate with the Pleiadians. They've communicated their small grays, tall grays, reptilians. Um, We could go on blue avians. Uh, There's all kinds of, for us to think that we are the only people in this universe It's very arrogant for us to think that. And um, we are not alone. And that's a whole nother topic (laughs) to get into.
0: It certainly is. And uh, I look forward to hearing some more about that after the break. So you're listening to The Other Side of the News. And tonight our guest is Lisa Schermahorn. And uh, the title of our show, which is the 109th edition, is called Discerning Deception. We'll be back after the break.
2: At a time when our freedoms are in jeopardy, this show, The Other Side of the News, is bringing to you amazing guests with truth to tell. As many of you know, we are now expanding our show on several platforms. One of them is Rumble. To find our show, go to rumble.com forward slash Tosin. That's R-U-M-B-L-E dot com forward slash T-O-S-N. To support freedom from censorship, be sure and subscribe to our Rumble channel. And please hit the Rumble Like button to the shows you feel contribute to your well-being. That way, the algorithm will push us higher in the search field and give greater exposure to our amazing guests. We deeply appreciate your support and we look forward to bringing you more revealing shows with guests that bring you uncensored truth, with information you can act on for your well-being, your health, and your freedoms. It is our honor to serve you and to uplift you with every guest and every show. Till next time, peace.
6: As you continue to work on yourself, the tribe comes forward. They'll come right to your door. So just keep doing the work and it'll come together. Yep, as you increase your frequency, then you become more mature in your manifestation abilities and your other higher senses and gifts come online. And then you have more power to make your world different and better and how you want it. And so that's why working on yourself is so important, because then you're going to create the reality that you want rather than get sucked into the dystopia that's being created by the negative or shadow side. We're becoming uh, Renaissance men and women where we have multiple skill sets and we can dance from science into art and we can use both sides of our hemispheres and we can realize how much we have to really offer and uh, grow into. And this is what's happening now. This is where we're headed, into a really beautiful place. So we can rejoice in that despite the fear, despite what it looks like on the outside. This is how disease transforms. The mess in the chaos is necessary in order to see what you have before you so you can clean it up and just make decisions to change your reality. If you don't see it, how do you know it's there to even be changed? Or if you ignore it, right, then how can you make the differences? You can't. So if the mess is before us. Accept our mess and now know that that's part of empowerment, to be able to see and to be able to transform it. Hi, this is Amanda Vollmer, and I was on the other side of the news. And I really enjoy my time discussing deeper topics and really getting to the heart of truth and the things that matter in this world and what we are doing and why we're here and and what we're heading toward. I really recommend listening in and and learning, uh, expanding your awareness and your knowledge. It's important, and these are the times to do it. And we're being asked, to pay attention, and to challenge ourselves and uh, think beyond, beyond the box.
2: And welcome back to The Other Side of the News. Our show tonight is Discerning Deception, and our guest is Lisa Shermerhorn. She's the author of In Every Belief is a Lie. (laughs) <laughs> and we definitely were going to get into that book. Um, I just wanted to uh, explore just a little bit. You were talking about the indigenous peoples around the planet and, and their pristine experience in a certain way, but also the abuse that they've gone through. And I'm looking at how you worked with this individual to heal some of his trauma, and I'm seeing... Wow, there's going to be a lot of work coming up. All the people around the planet, you know, and, and I wonder about the children who've been trafficked. Uh, it's a big topic. So I'd like to uh, weave in your book, In Every Belief is a Lie, along with how are we going to approach the healing of
4: our world? It's one of the reasons why I've done my best to stay neutral in my community because I want to be approachable to people when, when they start to find out and be that safe place. At the same time, I also don't want to hide who I am either. So I've been walking this tightrope, this very fine line, and I've been trusting that, I, you know, I, 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 I meditate, I, I connect with the source, and I ask for guides and I said, you know, take me where I need to go. Let me speak where I need to speak. And I trust that everything's in divine order. And then I keep getting on shows like these and places where I'm really outing myself. So, um, you know, going that and and, and going into these topics of extraterrestrials and and these topics of um, portals and and implants and all kinds of things. And, um, you know, we're going into a state unknown. We're going to a place that we have no idea where we're going. All we know is that the frequencies are rising, but we don't know uh, if everyone's going to come with us. You know, there's there's a huge bifurcation happening and I'm watching people either get darker, and darker or lighter and lighter. And um, and I'm watching people having a really hard time. My daughter is a um, social worker and as in, and she said, they're having epidemic of mental health problems. Issues. They don't have enough beds in the hospitals and mental health um, hospitals uh, for people. They don't have enough people to care for them. And uh, a lot of people are very depressed right now. They're confused. Um, the world is changing and we have to be able to change with it. And when you're busy giving your power away to the news and being told what to do and losing who you are at a deep level. And that was the one thing that was very important to me was I, as a child, I had no sense of self. I didn't think I was very smart. And I spent my life giving my power away to others, giving thinking that everyone else knew more than I did. And that's been my whole journey through my life. And then when I started, I had a breakdown And then I started entering the spiritual world. It's how I ended up becoming a hypnotist. It's how I ended up, you know, going through this because this stuff worked when I was going to therapy two to three times a week and nothing was happening. Nothing was helping me and I was, I was borderline suicidal. So I knew this stuff worked and I wanted to become the person that I was looking for to help me so that I didn't have to search in so many different places to get the help that I needed. But that was also part of my journey to make me who I am today. And and the first chapter in my book, I talk about how, you know, I, I got married young. And uh, after about 20 years of marriage, my, my ex-husband and I started to really go in, in def- different directions. And it got to a point where we really had nothing to talk about. And um, I was very frustrated. But at the same time, I was terrified to be alone. I I didn't know how I was going to be able to take care of myself because that was the belief system that I had, that I wasn't very smart and that I wouldn't be able to take care of myself. And I was studying um, with a woman at the time who had just taken a certification on firewalk, how to facilitate firewalks and wanted to know if I wanted to go through the training. And the thing about my personality is whatever whatever I'm afraid of, I know that I have to address And I knew that this was one of the final things that I needed to do. I was afraid of two things in life, being alone and walking on fire. So I threw myself into a week-long firewalk facilitation training program. Um, And what was interesting is I got there on a Sunday, and they proceeded to tell us what the week would look like. So it wasn't just firewalking. It was also um, walking on broken glass for four feet. It was breaking arrows from your uh, throat. It was bending a 10 foot piece of rebar between two people from my throat. Uh, and every night we were walking seven to 10 feet of red hot coals. And they informed us that to graduate, we had to walk 40 feet of red hot coals. Now, I went into a absolute meltdown that Sunday thinking how is it possible that by Saturday that I was going to be able to walk 40 feet and I went into absolute terror thinking that my feet were going to burn off that I was going to end up in the hospital I had no sense of how I was going to survive this and I was so obsessed with the final walk and how I was going to get through that that I was snapping arrows. And bending rebar and walking seven to ten feet, and walking on glass with no fear, because I was so preoccupied with the final walk that I wasn't even thinking about the other things, but with each each thing I did, I would like, "Wow, that's really cool. I can't believe I just did that." And I got to my final walk, and I was standing there, and everyone else had already walked, and one of the students in the class looked at me and he said, "Um." How much will fire have you walked this week already? I said, well, we've walked at least five nights, seven to 10 feet of fire, probably at least over 40 feet. He said, yeah, probably closer to 50 feet, don't you think? And I said, yes. He said, you've already walked 40 feet. This should be a piece of cake. Now go. And it was like something inside me, a switch went off in me, and I just walked. And it was my easiest walk all week. And I rang a bell. And it was like something came over me and I drove home that night with the air conditioner blowing on my (laughs) flip-flops because my feet were warm, but I didn't burn myself. They were still holding on heat. And I got home and I had the courage to finally have a conversation with my ex-husband. It it was like, for me, fear works the other way. Um, We were talking earlier with Tim about, you know, how fear impacts people. Um, I now walk towards fear. It's like the eagle. There's a story about the eagles is that when a big storm, a giant storm comes, the eagles will actually head towards the storm when all the other birds will fly away. Because as the eagle flies into the storm, the headwinds lift the eagle up above the storm. And I thought, what a magnificent metaphor for life. Because as you challenge yourself, you get better. As you overcome what feels like impossible, it it heals you. And that fire, it was like the phoenix that occurred for me and helped me really step into who I am. And I knew that because it was the fear of the fear that was keeping me in, once I was on my own, I realized how much joy I could have. I miss my family terribly. I miss my children, but I don't, I, I'm I don't have a fear of being alone anymore. I love my life. I've never been happier.
2: Well, that is quite a beautiful example. And I'm touched by how visceral the experience was. I mean, it wasn't intellectual. No. You, to do that, it, it, there had to be this connection with your core being to to go through that visceral walk. And I, I also think about, like, nowadays people are looking for something to anchor into. And if they don't have that kind of experience, it used to be maybe they they were churchgoers or something. But now we don't even trust the, the dogma of the churches. So like there's this big division now between religion and spirituality. And so we're looking for an anchor, some anchor that we can really connect to source. And what you just described was, like you had to be connected to do that. You
4: really had to be. I I, I realize that now and but I spent a lifetime of, of going outside of myself, even even with my teachers. I would put them on a pedestal and I you know, I would go outside of myself searching for information. And and I finally realized that Everyone was doing the best they could with what they had. They were giving me their perspective from their lens. And then I would find that it wasn't working for me anymore. And it was time for me to go inward and access my own wisdom. And and I think that was a huge part of also... Um, The 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 great awakening for me with covid was I started to really discern and really started to trust my own instincts. And and the more that people would call us names, the more emboldened I became. And that's the complete opposite of the Lisa um, who people would know from. 10 years ago, 20 years ago, and as a child, I was very fearful. I was bullied a lot. I had no sense of self. So, to come to this place, if someone told me I'd be here, it, it, I wouldn't, I, I would have a hard time believing it back then. And even writing the book, which took me 20 years of trying to sit down and telling my story, and I finally sat down and made a list of all the things that were in my way, all the beliefs that I had, you know, who am I to write a book? What do I have to offer that hasn't already been said? And, and as I released all those things, you want to talk about the law of attraction, everything started to happen, everything started to draw in, the title came in, I had the cover of the book design, the book started pouring through me in, in five months, and then it was formatted and edited and out on on Amazon and became a bestseller in within a week. And I was wow. like, that, that had to be divine. That wow. was all divine. That was not me, because the information was coming through me. They were my stories, but there was something divine that was pouring through me that I cannot explain. Cause I could go back and read pages after I read that after I wrote them. And I'm like, wow, that was good. Who wrote that?
2: (laughs) (laughs) I think that's when we're really aligned with the truth of who we are. Great artists. And I mean that in broad spectrum term artists, writers are artists. And um, you know, when we touch that, quantum part of ourselves that's non-spatial and and outside of time that eternal beingness when that comes through I mean it's us but we say is it us and I'm curious now go ahead no no I want to hear what you have to say so I'm curious like for our audience how would you recommend that they touch that get to that place where they really have a sense of what their core being is, who they are and what they're moving from rather than
4: adjusting to what's outside of them. Right. Um, One of the things that was a big game changer for me along, along among many things was discovering my why. And it's one of the reasons why I became a why coach. There was this fellow who saw Simon Sinek speak about the importance of knowing why you're here. And Gary Sanchez said, oh, my God, I want to learn my why. Please tell me, how do I discover my why? And Simon Sinek said, I don't teach people how to find their why. I just tell them why it's important. So Gary, at the time, was a dentist. And he he, he wasn't happy with that anymore. He wanted to move on. And he was really driven by helping people find their purpose. He researched thousands of people and discovered that there were nine whys. I was taking a marketing course and one of the women who was running it suggested that I take this test and it told me that I was challenged. And these are challenged people are people who think outside the box. They, they don't do things like everyone else. And as soon as I heard that, I was like, of course, As a child, I always thought outside the box. I was always different. I was an artist. I was creative. I dressed differently. I did my hair differently. You have no idea how many color, every different color. My hair has been blonde, brunette, redhead, straight, curly, you name it. Um, But I was always doing this whole self-discovery, trying to figure out who I was. And so going through this whole process for me was, was critical. In, in my own self-discovery and, and learning my why and that my why is not my work. My why is every single part of me. It's not conventional to live in a log home. It's not convention, conventional the spiritual path that I have taken and what I've studied. It's not conventional the type of vacations that I go on or the types of cars that I like. Um, even if I buy a conventional car, I want the funkiest color. I always want to separate myself out and be different. And and when I realized that about who I am as a human being, it helped me own it. And it helped me realize that I was pursuing who I am. I didn't doubt it anymore.
2: Does that make sense? It makes absolute sense. It makes absolute sense. And I understand now that you are helping other people to find, to right. find their why with your coaching. Right.
4: And, and so there's a number of things that I do. And then another thing that I use as a tool that I talk about is something called the emotional release method, because we can ha- carry these belief systems and even inherited belief systems. What you do is is there's there's um, we hold on to them at a cellular level. And so just from some very simple words, should I let it go? Yes. Could I let it go? Yes. When now and focusing on the area where you're feeling the sensation, you're releasing it. So through hypnosis and through some of these techniques, I'm helping people release their beliefs that they're carrying, that they don't want to carry any longer and replace it with what they wish they could have had instead. And it's so incredibly transformational. And I'll tell you the other thing that is huge is forgiveness. And I would say of all the things that you could do in your life, if you can forgive, it's, it, it's magic. Uh, there's an ancient Hawaiian practice called the Ho'oponopono. It's the prayer. And, and I started doing that in a group about two years ago. And I had index cards with a list of circumstances and people that I needed to forgive, including myself. It has to be yourself because you have to take responsibility for actions in your own life. And as I said this prayer over and over again, these circumstances and people no longer had a charge. And as I released and I continued to release these beliefs, these thoughts no longer impacted my decisions, I could then discern and go inward. And what I've also discovered is once I've done that, I don't get triggered as much either. I can get into a present place. I can be in the present moment and someone can say something to me and I'll be like, that's not about me. That's about them. Does that mean that I don't get triggered? Of course I do. I'm still human. But when someone says something to me and triggers me, I go inward and I say, what is it in me that is unresolved that I need to take care of? And and so everyone is a mirror outside of me showing me what I still have that's unresolved. I don't project out as much anymore since I've released all of these things. And that has allowed me to find peace, which is something that I had never had in my life before.
2: I think that's so powerful and so true. I mean, if we can really own that what's happening in the relationship are part of it, then we're not the victim of it. And, you know, the Course of Miracles teaches about forgiveness. I mean, like that's it's all centered around forgiveness. Like the one that's done you the worst is the one who'll give you the biggest relief. And uh, yes. I love that you brought up honopono Pono. Okay, Lisa, I see that we're close to the end of the show. Are there any last thoughts you'd like to share with our audience?
4: Well, we we kind of left off on the ET stuff, so I don't know if people are, are hanging on bated breath, but I, I was uh, going to bring up something, an experience that I had at the Truther or Tour around Please. that. Um, I had the pleasure of sitting with, for those people who know him, Juan O'Savin for an hour. And um, there are those who say they think he is JFK Jr. Um, I don't know. But what I do know is it was definitely a man in disguise. It was definitely a man that, that was completely in disguise. Um, there, He says that he was in the CIA and he disguises himself to protect his family. Whatever it is, um, he he's a brilliant man. And he talked about the fact that... Um, There was a a portal on Mount Hermon in Israel, and through that portal, um, there were some very demonic beings that showed up on this earth, and some people will call it Baal, B-A-A-L, a a very demonic um, being, and uh, they were doing a lot of horrible things, sacrificing humans and things, and they started... Um, breeding with humans and creating this whole group of people and through this portal that they had um, they were allowing all of these demons to come in to do some really do their dark work. Hillary Clinton apparently what what 207 said knew about this and what they did was they replicated this portal And then they had ISIS destroy it. And he told me that they were getting ready to set up this portal in Washington, D.C. And when Hillary Clinton, in her own mind, when she won, she was going to unleash all of these demons in Washington, D.C. I found that startling. And he told me that she is definitely possessed. Um, Now, whether or not you believe that, I can't say. Um, A lot of what he says is very controversial, but I know that a lot of the work that I have done and studied with extraterrestrials, I know many people that I was talking about before who have been abducted and have gone up to spaceships. A friend of mine uh, throughout his entire life, three to four times a year, he ends up on a spaceship, describes um, the extraterrestrials and what's been done to him. And... uh, um, we don't have time for it, but we just did some healing work with him because he was terribly traumatized.
2: Mm-hmm. So I like that you bring up um, the demons and I just want to balance it with, of course, there are the, the light beings too. I mean, yes. Like, and yes. It, it almost seems like, you know, both the, that they're allowing us to have our free will and depending on whether we move towards love or we move towards fear is going to move us into whichever universe we're bifurcating
4: into. Right. But my understanding is that the threshold where the darker entities were in is getting smaller and smaller and Mm -hmm. smaller. Um, A lot of them have been forced to leave. There's not a lot left. And those who are left are thrashing around like, you know, pull a fish out of water and they're thrashing around on the boat. That's what they're doing. And so they're they're doing what they can to wreak havoc. But um, I think it's all optics. And I don't think that that um, that that as you said in the beginning, when we were talking about this, I believe that a lot of this is being done to wake people up. I think that there's a lot of optics that are happening on purpose and uh, a lot of the darker forces are still here, but they're, they're leaving, they're leaving in droves. And I have a group of people who are working on it.
2: That's wonderful. (laughs) (laughs) You know, some consciousness pointed in that direction. You know, if you, if you are unaware that it's there, then you're an easy target. But when you become aware that it's there, then you're not so easy. And I think that their plan was for us to never discover how powerful we are. And I believe that I haven't read your book yet, but I believe that when we are freed of these false beliefs, we're going to discover that we have power beyond, beyond our imagination.
4: Exactly.
2: And I'm so grateful for that. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. <laughs> I believe we live in a beneficent universe, that it is unfolding. And you mentioned how your book just dropped in. You know, a lot of people have ideas and, oh, I haven't done it. I haven't done it like they're a failure. Well, maybe it just wasn't the time, you know, things have to percolate. So, And then when it's the time, it just drops in. And I I know quite a few other people who like have had things on the back burner and now it's dropping in so here we go <laughs> the new universe and uh, okay i'm getting the message that it's time for us to do a close here so we've been in an amazing conversation with our wonderful guest lisa Shermerhorn. this is our 109th edition called discerning deception we've gone a broad spectrum here From uh, ETs to Personal Power and Truth Tour. And I'm so grateful to have had this conversation with you. And I want to share with our audience to be sure and check out your
4: websites. Um, You want to say the name of your website? Sure. It's um, Lisa Shermerhorn Coaching is one of them. And the other one is Peak Performance Mindset Coaching. Uh, So you're not going to see anything about extraterrestrials there (laughs) or it's pretty mainstream, but you can reach me through it. And if you want to find my book, my book is available on Amazon in every belief is a lie. And uh, I'd love for you to download it either on Kindle or the book. The cover design is beautiful. A friend of mine did it and I'm very proud of it.
2: So thank you very much. Have all a great night. And we look forward to meeting with you next week. Thank you. Thank you, Lisa.